Hello and welcome everybody. This is Dr. Telly for History 256. Uh, talking today about the primary source response. This is going to be kind of a primer to primary sources in general. Uh, what I expect for you to do over these throughout the semester. Ordinarily, I'd be doing this in class since this is kind of a big deal that we're talking about. However, you know, Hurricane Ida, all that good stuff. So I'll be talking about just what I expect my primary sources in general and then uh, what I want you to know about this particular one about Bully, Oklahoma. So I want you to do right now, if you can, is if you go on to Moodle, all right, go on to Moodle, I want you to click the thing that says Primary Source Analysis uh, Questions, all right? You're, you're going to see that kind of near the top, uh, you know, under Opening Information. It should be right there, Primary Source Analysis Questions. I want you to go on the Questions one before we get to the rubric. Now, these questions are very general, right? I don't expect you to answer these for your primary source uh, response. These are just things I want you to be thinking about while you're reading them, all right? A primary source differs from a secondary source in terms of history because a primary source is of the time period. It's something like written in the people's like you know actual hand, uh, you know something from the time period, an artifact writing from the time period, really gives us a glimpse into the uh, into the past. A secondary source is something that comes a little bit later, or is something like written by a historian or somebody else's hand about it. All right, so something from the time period is a primary source. So we're going to be doing these throughout the semester. It's kind of an important skill to be able to analyze a text and discern decent information from it. And, and so there's five kind of broad things I want you to be thinking about as you read, all right? You're not necessarily being asked to, you know, answer these questions explicitly or, you know, get great on this. But when you get any primary source, you need to be thinking about these five things. First one is purpose. Why was this primary source written is the big one. I mean, the, you know, the easy one is who's the author? Who's the author? That's usually pretty easy to figure out. I mean, for instance, for this one, the, the author is Booker T. Washington, who you probably have heard of. So you probably know a few things about Booker T. Washington. But also, more importantly, why do they write this? Why do they write this? What evidence in the text tells you this? And who is the intended audience? Who is the author trying to write to? Nobody writes for no reason. You know, you always write with a purpose in mind. There's always an argument. There's always a reason why you're writing. In fact, that's the argument, which goes into our second one. What is the author's argument? What is the author trying to argue? They sometimes are explicit, sometimes they're not. Uh, what of the text tells you this? As we kind of get into the analysis of the text itself, what all it's saying, what all it's not saying. Uh, those sort of things are demonstrative of the argument. What is the strategy for making this argument? That's another one. What's the overall strategy for making the argument? Is the strategy effective? And finally, do the author to be credible and reliable, all right? Do you find this author to be credible and reliable? Uh, the next one is presuppositions, kind of like uh, basically exegizing the text, trying to figure out what the difference is between their time and our time. In fact, how do the ideas and values of the source differ from the ideas and values of our time? Uh, that's a pretty good question to ask. Likewise, it's also pretty important, what presumptions and preconceptions do you as a reader bring on this text? You know, what portions of the text might you find objectable, but what contemporaries might find acceptable? Uh, language is a good one. Language is a good one. For instance, uh, in this text, Booker T. Washington uses the term Negro. He uses the term Negro uh, to describe African Americans. And, and same thing with the term Indian. He uses the term Indian, Indian instead of Native American. I mean, this is a very basic one, but uh, this sort of thing is something you want to think about. You know, how has times changed? 
Uh, other sources you might read uh, might refer to like women in a certain way. Uh, it's not just all like derogatory, but like how they value some things. How things like family or wealth or thrift might be really uh, focused upon and they may not in others. And what, once you kind of get into language, you also get into values. How does the difference between our values and the values of the author influence the way that you understand this text? Um, once again, I mean, this one, it's going to be kind of slight, but later texts are going to be a little bit more extreme in that case. Uh, the next one is epistemology. That's a fancy word for the study of truth. Basically, what kinds of information does this text tell you without knowing it's telling you that? Once again, this gets into language and values. And the reason we want to understand that is what insight does this text give you into the mindset of the time? And finally, how do you feel about this text as a whole? How does it mesh with other material you made on the subject? Why do you feel this way? Ultimately, the text is not just about the text itself, but also about you, how it makes you feel about the history. And basically, it's an interplay between the past and the present. Now, I'm not expecting you to do all those things explicitly whenever you read the text. Nor do I expect you to write those things, because, my God, that'd be a very long paper. And we're only talking a couple, you know, two, three paragraphs here is what we're looking for for the primary source response. But these are the sort of questions I want you to be thinking about, kind of in the back of your mind, as they inform your writing, and also as you answer the question itself. Now let's go to the rubric. Uh, go back to Moodle, click the thing that says rubric. Uh, the primary source analysis rubric, um, it's, it's a very easy acronym. TEAMS. T-E-A-M-S. TEAMS. This is what I'm going to be grading you on. Now, because these are fairly short, I'm not going too in-depth. It's pretty much you either get full credit, half credit, or no credit on each one of those. Um, first one is thesis. The T is thesis. Uh, a thesis is just a fancy word for an argument. Do you have an argument? What is the bigger idea you're trying to say about the source? Do you have a reason for writing other than just, I'm writing about this stuff? I mean, I'm sure you've seen some papers or essays people have written. Maybe you've written one yourself. Hell, I know I've written a few in my time where it's like it's a collection of facts and maybe a few maybe a few bit of analysis but it has no greater purpose it has no thesis it has no argument it really has no point um, if you have one even if it's kind of a decent one even if it's kind of a eh, one you'll get two points all right that completely or mostly satisfies it if if you half ass it you're you're going to get a one all right if you don't have it at all that's a zero um even if you make a nominal attempt at some of these things you're going to get at least one point but if you just do a nominal attempt at everything that's five which is an F. Uh, e is evidence. Do you have quotes or other specific information about the source that supports your thesis? Another easy one to do, basically, are you giving me factual information from it? Are you getting information from it? Give me quotes, give me exact dates and figures, supporting your argument with evidence from the text. Once again, if you have a good bit of it, that's a two. If you have none, or you just kind of half, well, if you have none, that's a zero. If you just kind of well, piddle around, that's a one. Another big one is analysis. Analysis. Um, how does this come together? You know, you don't just have an argument with facts. Tell me how the facts fit your argument. You can be kind of, it's okay not to be subtle. Like, it's okay to kind of beat me over the head with like, because of this, this is how I think. Uh, the fourth one, the M, mechanics, that's kind of a catch-all. That's things like, you know, formatting, uh, is there punctuation, are there margarines? Uh, margarines? Margins. Margins are a fake type of butter. Sorry, I'm tired. Um, I'm going <laughs> My son's been sick, and <laughs> I haven't had a lot of sleep, and I'm on sinus medication, so sorry. Not margarines. Margins. Are you using proper citation? That sort of thing like that. 
Um, that's mechanics, you know, are, are there misspellings, are the commas all over the place, and that sort of thing. Uh, once again, this one's a little subjective. I mean, it's not too subjective, but, you know, if, if you, if you, I mean, if you have a misspelled word here or there, I'm not going to, like, lampoon you on that. I'm not going to blast you on that. You'll still probably get a two. If it's just, like, pathetic, you'll, you'll get a one. If it looks like you made no effort whatsoever, like it's one giant run-on sentence with no margins, that's a one. And finally, it's structure. Uh, structure. You know, do you have a point for your writing? You know, does it seem like you're going somewhere? This one is tied in very hand-in-hand with thesis. Um, do you have multiple paragraphs, you know, or is it just like one rambly thing? I mean, you know, paragraphs is kind of, you know, a, a cheap way of saying like this one has structure, but, you know, paragraphs express complete thoughts. Uh, generally, if you have one long rambly paragraph thing, unless it's a very well-constructed one, it can tend to meander. So make sure you have like a, there's a, I know you're going somewhere. Not that you necessarily have an outline explicit, but it could be outlined. Like I said, it's a two-point scale, so if you mostly do it, I mean, like I said, not even perfectly, but if you mostly do it, you'll get a two. If you half-ass it, you'll get a one. And if you do, don't do do it at all, or if you do it so poorly, you might as well not do it. That's a zero. It's kind of hard to get zeros in this sort of stuff, I'm not going to lie. Um, very rarely do I give straight-up zeros for these uh, criterium, mainly because if you at least give an effort, but don't get me wrong, <laughs> rarely is not never. Uh, I, I've definitely seen uh, some students in the past who, who really try to test me on that, and they don't turn in, they either just don't turn it in, or it's just so awful. So, with that in mind, let's look at the primary source. Now, this week we talked a lot about the West. Uh, you may be hearing a little bit about what's going on in the South. Absolutely. What's been going on in the West? Now, I, I chose a source because it's kind of an interesting amalgamation of both. And you're also talking about the plight of African Americans. We're also talking about the plight of African Americans, which is what's going on. Now, the author who wrote this, of course, is Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington, if you may or may not heard of him, a very important figure in the African American world in the 19, uh, uh, you know, 1890s, early 1900s. He dies. In the 1920s, uh, 19-teens, 1920s. So, well, he dies in one or the other. It's not dying both. Uh, still a very important figure you may have heard of. And so basically, he's talking about what's going on uh, with the exodusters, with the African Americans who are former slaves. They're now leaving. They're going to places such as Oklahoma. All right? Oklahoma, prior to this time period, was known as Indian Territory. Uh, before Oklahoma became a state, it was known as Indian Territory. It was territory that was saved for the Native Americans of the United States uh, in forced relocations, things like the Trail of Tears. But then as time went on, you know, Americans wanted that land, and so more people start coming in. Now, it does say that the first African Americans come to uh, Indian Territory slash Oklahoma uh, from slavery. They absolutely do. Uh, the, the five quote-unquote civilized tribes who come from the Trail of Tears, some of them do bring their slaves with them. Still, in 1908, however, um, you know, Booker D. Washington, he, this is a year after Oklahoma becomes a state, he goes to Bowley, check it out, and what he's writing this as is he's as a booster, all right? He's a booster. Remember, Booker T. Washington, well, you don't know this yet, but you'll learn it later, Booker T. Washington's all about black elevation, the idea that we can work our way up. And basically, he's writing to this to people back east, um... Black and white people, um, not just black people, you know, of course he's writing to black people to get them interested in coming, but also to white people to try to interest them in sending their money. 
Basically, this is a you know this is a good avenue for uh, your money. This is a good way you could support African Americans, and it's not going to be a bad case. So what he has here basically. He talks about how much they've uh, made changes in the past uh, couple years. Uh, once they get into uh, Oklahoma, uh, they live in Kansas. Uh, the fact that he's spending here for a week. Uh, there's also three racial dynamics. There's black men, white men, and Indians, Native Americans. You know, the uh, Native Americans who own practically all the lands, they, uh, they've got, you know, quite a bit of them, but they're losing in power. They're losing in power. But still, they're trying to maintain what power they have. Uh, listen to what he has to say about intermarriage between Native Americans and uh, black and white people, particularly white people, and how Native American wives, uh, the bride price has gone way up. Uh, the idea of going back, you also have this idea of progress. And so, like, once African Americans go to Oklahoma, they don't, quote unquote, go back, like, coming by, like, becoming like the Native Americans, but they're, quote unquote, staying with uh, the civilization, if you will, uh, by with white people. So it's interesting. It's interesting that he always has this sense of classism or like good and not good or advancement or not uh, advancement. Um, you know, bully, you know, it's, it's got all sorts of things going on there. They got banks. It's, it's, uh, you know, talk and also talk about like the idea of the wildness being around. Uh, something else you might want to look about, um, you know, basically what sort of crime is there in Bully? Is it perfect or is it is it not perfect? Uh, he, he even interviews some of the inhabitants of Bully and talks about what all they've done. Um, so just be thinking about that, be looking at that. Uh, your question for this week is, it's a very broad one. How does the experience in Bully reflect the changes in American society? It's very broad. I want you to just go on one thing. Don't go for everything. Don't talk about everything that's possibly changed in American society. But for instance, if you just want to talk about the plight of women, uh, there's plenty in this that Burger T. Washington talks about with like basically the plight of women. If you want to talk about like Southerners, talks about that. Native Americans, um, post-slave life, that sort of thing. A lot of different elements you could go through, and that's what I want you to focus upon as you read this. So what I want you to do is read this, kind of come up with one thing. Maybe you want to talk about the plight of women. Maybe you want to talk about the plight of African Americans. Um, crime, maybe you're talking about like what is perception of crime and bully. That sort of thing. I want you to read it. And then I want you to respond in about, I'd say, uh, two paragraphs is good. Two solid paragraphs, possibly three. Um, I know it says one or two paragraphs. Uh, you know, maybe I'll change. No, nah, I'm not going to change. I'll keep it one or two. Just shoot for two paragraphs. Shoot for two paragraphs. This doesn't have to be a long dissertation. Um, you know, just two paragraphs, really solid paragraphs. Talk about, like, you know, what is a change in American society and how is it demonstrated? And how does Booker T. Washington talk about that? So with that, it's Dr. Tully. Uh, that kind of does it for today. Uh, make sure you listen and make sure you read. All right, talk to you later. Bye.